This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The Property Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Good morning. You're listening to The Property Show on The Morning Run, and I'm Philip C. Now, on today's Property Show, we are in conversation with National House Buyers Association Honorary Secretary General Dadok Chang Kim Long. Well, you know, I must say the past two years have been truly a roller coaster ride for the property market, and I'm sure a spell for house buyers. So, my question to you is what have you seen are the biggest issues that house buyers are facing? Well, our finance minister, Tunku Dr. Sri Zafro, somewhere in June 2021, uh, announced a six months loan moratorium under the 150 billion Pomule stimulus package. Although the measures will, uh, uh, will not be interest free, the minister noted that banks would waive compound interest and penalties for borrowers who take up the loan moratorium. But the problem is many who are looking forward to the re implementation of moratorium, like hoping for a raindrop in a drought felt relief when the announcement finally came. The initiative to provide financial relief by deferring loan repayments for six months was initially viewed as commendable. However, you see, look at it, upon scrutiny, it does not seem to achieve its underlining intent to help the rakyat who are struggling. At the end of the moratorium period, uh, borrowers have to service the deferred installment plus other additional interest as the loan moratorium is in fact not interest-free. It simply is called a deferred payment scheme for six months whereby additional interests are added to the amount. An ex-CEO uh, CEO of a bank clarified to say that there is no such thing as free lunch when it comes to banks, banks including Islamic banks, now, he elaborated how, uh, how the purported loan moratorium for HPs, higher purchase and mortgage loan will result in borrower having to pay extra interest to the bank. Stating the obvious, he advised distressed buyers to think twice before opting in. He also commended that this time around, some banks have wised up and applied extra interest charge to HPs too. Yeah, so these are just essentially deferred payments then. Yeah, in fact, it is deferred payment. It's not giving the perception as if it's interest-free throughout the six months. It is actually delayed payment interest for the six months is then carried back over to the end of the tenor, extended tenor, and then, of course, interest is lumbered in there. So, so what's your advice to house buyers then? Now, my advice to house buyers, borrowers, is to avoid taking a loan, loan moratorium for housing loan, if possible, because they will end up worse than when they first started with added interest to the extended loan period. Borrowers should actually ask the bank for a detailed computation or illustration to the extra interest they have to stomach if they were to opt in for the six months deferred period. And are there any other solutions where, you know, you're, you're, you're kind of cornered, you have to do it. Are there ways for you to find a way to slowly mitigate and reduce financial pressure or are there other options relatively limited actually? Well, well, there are several measures. In fact, we are making recommendations to banks also, to asking banks and bank negara, please exercise a little bit of corporate social responsibility. Help out the rakyat in times of need like this. You can actually be, be kind enough to even try to restructure the loan for customers instead of you know, uh, 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 insisting that you know, they must repay immediately or immediately after the moratorium of six months 
why don't you attempt to restructure the entire loan? That will really benefit the house buyers. But because at the end of the day, it's actually negligible impact on bank earnings, when, but will alleviate the financial burdens of borrowers. And besides, you know, asking for a restructuring of their loans, you know, as the tenure ends, what other recommendations do you have for Bank Negara and also the other banking system and players there? Well, I've uh, urged Bank Negara to make sure that, you know, all banks, whatever been restructured whatsoever or, you know, deferred payment or moratorium, be fair to the buyers, give them a computation, give them an illustrative example of interest that were accrued during the moratorium period, like what we get in the credit card. Personally, you know, behind our credit card the overlay, you'll find there's a detailed calculation, you know, if you defer your minimum payment, how much interest is going to be lumbered on all that. So you must come up with an easy to understand, simplified figure in the table to, for those customers to understand that, okay, how much extra inverted commas that I have to pay since I opt in for the moratorium period. That, that will be uh, being transparent and accountable to customers. Can you give us a sense which banks have been most capable and able to you know, articulate this much better and provide clarity to their clients compared to others? Uh, there are a couple of good banks around. Uh, most of the banks are fair, uh, especially Malaysian banks. Malaysian mm-hmm. banks are fair. They know our culture. They know our social responsibility as compared to foreign-owned banks. Foreign-owned banks, as far as they're concerned, their HQ could be in London, in Hong Kong. Well, I don't find them having that, that local uh, you know, uh, caringness. Lah. Perhaps yeah. more rigid. And besides the issue of loan moratorium, you know, what else have you observed uh, being bigger issues that house buyers are facing? House buyers are presently facing um, worries about abandonment. Those buyers who have signed agreements way back in the year 2018, 2019, before the pandemic, you know, a 19 came, a pandemic has struck the whole world. Everybody signed in the sale and purchase agreement, and they are now bound bound by the sale and purchase agreement terms and conditions to pay progressively. During this period, they have to service their bank loan on top of having to, you know, to make sure that they got food on the table for the family. Now, there are circumstances whereby house buyers people has um, has suffered the fate of VSS. They have also lost jobs. Some of them find their salaries being cut down proportionately, you know. So how are they going to make ends meet? That's the biggest problem now. Are the, le- are the property they've purchased going to be opt out? Some of them may want to dispose of the property that they have purchased during the, uh, prior to the pandemic, but that's going to be difficult because if they're going to opt out from purchasing of a property, the developers may not agree to allow any sale during construction period. Only after when the property has been completed, yes, the bank, the, the, the developers will allow a sub-sale thereafter. But if everybody is going to opt out of a purchase, that project is surely going to fail. And that's where a lot of cases has uh, come out recently uh, to say that there are a lot of projects that are late, projects that are sick before they are declared as abandoned. 
it is a vicious cycle because what you are kind of saying is that because the consumer is under pressure to pay for all these progress payments, they cannot essentially service the loans. So then the developers cannot proceed on with their own projects resulting mm-hmm. in abandonment. And then actually those who can afford to pay will also be the ultimate losers, right? Because it's just a vicious cycle dri- driving through. But when I hear your story, you are kind of saying, look, it is quite... Uh, uh, consumer-driven, market-driven issue. Have you seen cases where abandonment is also a result of poor uh, liquidity and capital management of the actual property developer themselves? Yeah, it is true. There are a lot of cases whereby it's bad management, or not only that, some of them embark into projects not doing a proper viability study, feasibility study, and most uh, essentially marketability study. They just thought that they got a look, a, a strategic piece of land, go into development because everybody's doing it. Everybody who does a project, a housing project, become a millionaire, billionaire. Microsoft joined the tide, but they did not. They did not look into whether the project is marketable or not. Is it? And then the domino effect comes in. When your neighboring lot is selling for half a million dollars, you must sell for five fifty, five hundred fifty thousand dollars at the least. That's where the vicious cycle comes in. The escalating house prices that are currently artificially hiked up, you know, not based on you know the, whether you are able to sell or not. Now, now they are caught in this dendrum as to whether their project can sell or cannot sell. The biggest problem has always been enforcement. We got lovely laws in Malaysia, I tell you. We got beautiful housing development act, housing development regulation, standard sale and purchase agreement, all that. Fantastic law we got, but the problem is that we have got lousy lacks and lack lacks in enforcement. Laws are there, but then yet that is still remain in our archives as ornamental pieces where the government do not have enforcement program. You know, if they have got no enforcement program, how do you expect the developer to toe the line? Hmm. It's easier to get away with wrongdoing. Then being punished, mm. the, the, the bad, irresponsible developers seem to be getting scot-free, while the licensed one, you know, who, who really want to toe the line, do a genuine business and being punished by the ministry. Yeah, so I think you're saying, look, um, the lack of enforcement creates a lack, lax, laxed attitude, in resulting in many developers tr- thinking they can get away with it. But yeah. you know, when when you, one of your members or house buyers get into this situation, right? What's your immediate advice to them when they sense that you know the project that they bought in into isn't going to materialize? What's your first advice to them? Well, first advice over to them is galvanize the buyers together as a group. We always say united uh, uh, united group uh, have a, uh, a united voice. Even you know politics is a game of numbers only. Get the buyers together, okay? Writing officially to the Ministry of Housing, who are the regulators as well as licensing authorities of developers' licenses. Get them involved. Tell them that we are very concerned about the you know the state of uh, progress, the delayedness, and it may uh, may eventually uh, become and declared as abandoned project. The ministry, the group of buyers should write a letter to the Ministry of Housing at uh, Jabatan Perubahan Negara (JPN) National uh, Housing Department and call for a meeting between the developers, developers architect, and representative from the buyers group. 
you want to know what is happening, how long delay is going to be, and when they, can the certificate of fitness be delivered over to the house buyers, then that's that's good planning. Mm. Otherwise, your whole life will be derailed already. You really do not know when you're going to get your house. Especially so when um, there's this time freeze law, COVID-19, Temporary Measure Act, that was, uh, that was uh, you know, gazetted last year. There was a time freeze to allow developers uh, or the market industries, all market players, to have a, uh, a deferred uh, commitment, whereby it, it commenced on the 18th of March until the end of the year, whereby all contractual obligations were frozen you know, for the time being. I mean, there was an act to protect all parties because we do not want a situation whereby certain unscrupulous parties took advantage to want to terminate agreements, all that. So that's not fair. That was a fantastic law that we've been pushing for. It has now been gazetted. Well and good. We'll be back with more after these messages. Stay with us, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. You're tuned in to The Property Show on The Morning Run. I'm Philip C. And with me today is National House Buyers Association Honorary Secretary General Datuk Chang Kim Long. Datuk Chang, we had a very interesting conversation about loan moratoriums and about abandoned housing projects. And if we were to scan the market where we are in now, really there is a bit of oversupply, isn't it? Um, so I wanted to get your views on this proposed home ownership campaign by the government. Um, they have been extending it, uh, you know, month to month. Um, and I think you do disagree with this extension, right? Because your view is that it distorts market, isn't it? Yeah, correct. Now, this HOOC is a good idea generally. It's a market uh, driven by the developers, initiated by the developers. Somehow, the Ministry of Housing seem to be promoting it now. Uh, you know, they even got their boots there, you know, at the home ownership campaign, uh, purportedly like, to supervise the projects on that. Now, uh, I visited some of the boots. I find some of the, the, the Ministry of Housing's, uh, uh, you know, people manning the boots are not doing their job. I have, and I brought it up to the attention of the, the Ministry of Housing, that there have been a lot of, uh, a few blacklisted developers there. There are also some defiant developers who have not complied with tribunal awards or that. Why is it that the government uh, uh, those government departments who operate the boots there or who are given free boots, not supervising, monitoring the participants in the HOC. You encourage the house buyers to go and participate and uh, be one of the people to look out for properties there. But what if the poor, naive house buyers buys from a, a defaulting developer? That's very important. That's the purpose of having the Ministry of Housing there doing a supervisory, a policing role at this kind of HOC. That's the crucial thing. I see. So you actually think it's not a bad idea, but the issue here is that the selection and enforcement of the right developers is just not in place. Yes, correct. That is very important. But since uh, our discussion with them, they have since improved in this year's HOC. They have assured us that the participant has been properly vetted through. Well and good. That's good enough. Except that Again, I, I, I have questioned the Ministry of Housing. Why are the Ministry of Housing being the biggest marketing tool of the developer? Shouldn't your duty was to supervise the whole thing rather than try to promote a HOC and encourage house buyers to go and buy during this time of pandemic? Mm. Now, the government are also throwing in a lot of freebies. One of the freebies they throw in, if you buy from HOC, you get a 10% discount from the developer. You also get 
free stamp duty exemptions up to the extent of a, mil, uh, a million dollars. I have questioned this area here. Why is it that the developers have made a bad decision for their unsold stock? Why is the government involved in developers' unsold stock? Couldn't the developer have given a higher percentage of discount? It is elementary economics. They went a product can't sell, you sell it cheaper in the soft market. Why is it that the government must be part and parcel of trying to promote developer stock? Like giving stamp duty exemption. Let, let me give you an example. To a house buyer, there's no difference between buying a property $1 million with stamp duty to $24,000 waived by the government or buying a property at $976,000 from the developer and paying 24,000 ringgit stamp duty to the government. Why use our taxpayers' money to benefit the developer? That's the issue there, is it? Well, you know, this is very interesting about how basically there are all these rebates and promos coming through and you've already used the po- and made the point that the issue is that you're kind of using government machinery to sell underperforming assets and properties, so on and so forth. But just to flip it on the other side, do you see it's also an opportunity to inflate prices and then lowering it through promos and rebates? Have you seen that case happen before in Malaysia? Yeah, that, that is obviously is happening in some of those artificial hiked up prices on that. It is happening, except that this time around, the developers assured the Minister of Housing that these are genuine 10% rebates, okay? genuine 10% rebates and that they will not artificially hack it up by 10% and then give a rebate of 10% uh, because there are a lot of uh, negative consequences in this kind of rebate nonsense all that is it such a thing mm-hmm. don't forget the same duty are involved how does one identify that they're getting a fair deal no one will know <laughs> except when you ask and deal with developers whether they are genuine or not what the house buyers can do is now these are overhang unsold stock House buyers could always inquire from the developer. If you're interested in a certain product, a landed property, for instance, may I know and declare to me what were your previous price they were selling two years ago? Same stock, same project, same phase. How much were you selling? Verify that from the Ministry of Housing. The Ministry of Housing has a list of all those pricing of each of the product that the developer is up to sell. Check it up, counter, counter check with the Ministry of Housing. That's the purpose, I guess, their boots are there. Lah. You know, if the system is connected to their, uh, their, the, the, the main board, huh, then probably the information will be there to verify that these are genuine 10% rebates. You were saying earlier in the part of the show where you say, look, there's no such thing as a free lunch, right? Um, in your view, right, what are the two good-to-believe deals that you've seen happening in the market at the moment and how does one identify it? Well... <clears throat> One of them is the guarantee, uh, guarantee rental returns. We call it GRR in market. The developers are not able to sell the stock. And then they come up with this package to assure house buyers that you will get a returns uh, uh, between 8 to 12% you know, uh, returns. You know, and and um, you can make money out of it. So buyers need to do their own due diligence. Remember that, that if something is too good to be true, it is in fact too good to be true. Do more investigation, due diligence, make sure that it is not doubtful in nature. If it is so, please, the best is to just walk away. Now, this guarantee return scheme sounds very attractive. Investors need to know they are not, not as simple as it seems. In fact, they should be approached with cautious advertisement like fast weight loss pills, 
get rich scheme ventures just like striking lottery ticket there's no such thing at all if it's so good uh, if it's so good to me if it's this guarantee original so good why would a developer want to share with you they might as well share it with their, their cousins they share it with the shareholder their mother the grandfather why share it with you it cannot be so it's so good to be true so as far as the house bias is concerned just be cautious all these projects about all these issues about projected monetary returns that cannot be guaranteed uh, uh, in nature are uh, uh, not true. Uh, there are also those, uh, you know, real estate uh, companies or those property, you know, uh, seafoods out, out there who paint a glossy picture of, you know, uh, the world is going to be better next year. Buy now, don't delay. All these are not true. Mm. Those uh, uh, talk seminar talks to talk about you know making buying property without deposit you think how, how true are these things <laughs> if it is so he'll be a millionaire he don't even have to give talks at all well i mean he i think been making money out of it as a speculator and as well a flipper yeah i guess the problem now we have is that i think many people are feeling vulnerable uh, and they will fall victim to some some of these scams you know what's your advice to them as you said just now try and find um you know, a pool of other people who were similarly scammed or uh, affected. What other advice would you give for people who have fallen uh, and into sideways into these kind of deals? Well, this kind of deals, first and foremost, like I said, apart from just getting the group together, explore the possibility of uh, taking up a legal suit against the developer or the company who guaranteed this return. We call it a class action, meaning gang of people, group of people are galvanized together to file it in a suit, join together, share responsibility, share the cost, and as well as share the workload. You know, in this kind of case, get the lawyers together and see what best that you can recover. But sometimes you find this uh, guarantee returns uh, are undertaken by the subsidiary of the developer. Need not necessarily be the developer, you know, subsidiary or developer who's paid out capital could just be two dollars only. It's not worthwhile to sue in the first place. So when lawyers tell you it's a good good case to sue, yes, good case is one thing. Can you successfully reap the fruits of your successful litigation? You can win a court order, fantastic. You've got the developers to pay you two billion two million dollars, you know, to each of the other uh, house buyers who has won the case. But can you physically recover money from a court order? That's another thing. You know? So don't win. Don't be penny wise, pound foolish sometimes. Don't throw in good money trying to recover some bad money. So on that note, we end with your famous last words. There's no such thing as a free lunch. That's all the time we have for today's property show. I've been speaking to National House Buyers Association Honorary Secretary General Datuk Chang Kim Long. I'm Philip C. signing off for the morning run, BFM 89.9. Show on BFM 89.9, the business station. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.